this is DJ Thomas, and you're listening to Frequency Interrupted. What's up, podcast? So today I have Coach Denny Finley on. He is the principal at Lakeside Junior and Senior High School, and actually the school I graduated from. How are you doing today, Coach? I'm doing great. Thank you for being here. For sure. I just wanted to, you know, catch up with you. We hadn't spoken in probably about a year, and um, we've been through a lot of stuff. <laughs> it's been an interesting year. Um, but also, you know, letting, letting everybody get to know you a little bit. I don't really know anything about you previous to, you know, getting into your teacher career. So can we start back, you know, how you grew up and kind of what values were instilled in you growing up and how you decided to get to the teaching world and all that? Well, you know, I'm a, I'm just no country boy from Ala, Louisiana, which is central Louisiana. Uh, you had to travel about 30 miles to get to a Walmart when you live in Isla. Uh, you could go, it's a, it was a place that you could you could not lock your doors when you left. You could leave your vehicle unlocked with the keys in it. And, uh, you know, I graduated from LaSalle High School, had great parents, and I had great influences around me. And really and truthfully, it's, it's, I was surrounded with great educators. Yep. And that's ultimately what led me into education. I could name... Oh, I could name a bunch of them, and that influenced my life. Matter of fact, um, just lost uh, a major influence in my life this uh, this last week. My old uh, elementary principal, Mr. Ray Butte, passed away this week, and uh, he was definitely an influence in my life. I'm sorry to hear that. That's uh, and that's one of those things, and, and no matter. <laughs> It's, I feel like once you lose somebody, you're able to kind of take those values and keep moving forward with them, hopefully instill them in others, you know, to, ca- to carry on their legacy. Absolutely. So what did you do um, growing up? What did you do, man? What did you, uh, you were into sports. Uh, I know you're outdoorsman. You still are into that. And, and I know you coached quite a few sports coming up in high school. Um, what were you like as a kid? I was very competitive. Okay. And uh, I played I played every sport that I could play, and mainly because uh, I wanted to compete. And the uh, it wasn't about trying to get to the, to college, you know, through a scholarship, which you can see nowadays. Right. Everybody's going to get a scholarship. I think back when I was young, we played more because we just we just loved to play. And I think through. Uh, that being competitive and the things I learned from my coaches, I think it definitely led me to where I'm at today. And, you know, I, I'm still today, I'm trying to push our students to in the same, uh, do the same thing, play everything you can play while you're in high school, because life is about competition. Yeah. And, you know, when you go out to, you know, compete for jobs, you're competing. Yeah. And I think what you learn in athletics carries over, to the rest of your life. Yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot to be learned, you know, as far as uh, I agree, because like, you know, being able to have that team atmosphere and working with others and working together as a team to achieve something, whether it's in the classroom, you know, or, or on the field or just in life, you know, whatever kind of group you have, because that when we get when we grow up, when we grow up and we get to moving around in life, man, we gotta have people to depend on, to talk to, to you know, ask advice. You know, um, can't do everything by ourselves, unfortunately. You know, 
Well, one thing I'm seeing, and you and you've probably picked up on it as well, is kids are, are zeroing in on on one sport now, and yeah. they're playing it year around. Yeah. And to me, uh, I think when you play multiple sports, it makes you a better athlete, and one builds on another. And it seems like everybody's worried about getting that that college scholarship yeah. nowadays. Really, academics are still what leads you to college. Yeah, I mean, you. It's, yeah, you're right. Because I mean, I've seen a lot of with, uh, especially baseball in this area. <clears throat> these kids are playing baseball in the entire year round, and I've seen a lot of injuries. Um, you know, right after I come out of school, until the pat, you know, over the past few years, I've seen a lot of people who got into sports like that and doing the, you know, like a pitcher. I've seen so many pitching industries. I mean, injuries where they've never took a break and constantly throwing a ball and this literally there's no downtime there. And, um, you know, by the time they're doing all this to make it to college, they get to college, they, you know, injured themselves and they all, and they literally hurt themselves for life for no reason. You know? And then, one thing you see, and then you know a lot about this is the, the weight training. Yeah. <laughs> you know, every, every sport uh, has its own type of, of workouts. And oftentimes our, our kids, they're not driven to go to the weight room yeah. and hit it like your college and pro athletes do. Yeah. And so they're missing, they're missing the uh, mark there as well. Yeah. There's um there's something to be said in that, um, you know, the old, I remember the old school football practice training, you know, and, you know, doing the, doing your weight training, but any strength and conditioning <clears throat> where it comes from flexibility to actually conditioning the muscles. I mean, you got to have those things. It's just one of those things to get better. I mean, you're going to get to one level plateau and be stagnant there. And if you're going to be competitive, you got to have that competitive edge. Correct. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's uh, talking about sports. They're kind of talking about competitiveness, and then in college, kind of gets me to want to talk about what we're going through. How you know how when I was growing up and. You know, probably the, the decade before me as well. We're going to school, and you and I talked about this a little bit last year. We had a short conversation, but I would love to talk about it some more. Is um, we were so bent on going to college and doing everything in the classroom to go pursue that degree, and um, that's just how the world was made up, you know. But now there's so many opportunities to do so many things that you may not necessarily have to have a degree. But the education aspect of it is still very important to learn, you know, learn how to work with others, learn how to, you know, do tasks, get those things done, learn how to work, you know, as in a team classroom and then also on your own to have that accountability at home to do your homework and stuff like that. I think those are still very important, but I feel like we're seeing a lot of kids that aren't taking the college route, but still are being entrepreneurs and being able to better themselves. Well, and I've said this for a long time, and you don't really expect to hear this from, from a principal a lot of times, but uh, everybody doesn't need to go to college. Right. And unless there is something that you really want to be, uh, to me, you're, you're wasting your, your money going to college. And I think a lot of kids are doing just that. They feel like they've got to go, but there's other opportunities. There's trade school, uh, apprenticeships. And one thing that the state of Louisiana has put in uh, is our jumpstart program. It's a we have two we have two pathways now to lead us to uh, to graduation. And one of those pathways is our is our tops pathway, which is our university pathway. If you're going to a four year university, and you have to take your things like uh, foreign language, you have to take English four, you have to take your uh, advanced math classes. And the other one is our jumpstart pathway. 
it's more of a, a career type pathway. You know, you've got, you're learning a trade along the way. Yeah. And which is one of the first hires I made when I come to Lakeside is I hired Mr. Josh Utley to come in and teach ag here. Okay. I said, you know, we're a country school and yeah. we don't have an ag teacher. And so I was, uh, I mean, it, I talked to our superintendent at the time and he agreed and that is one of our strongest programs at the school right now. Well, when you go on the jumpstart pathway, it takes away having to take the foreign language, the English for the advanced math, you take business math. Right. And, and it, uh, it doesn't stop you from going to college, but you must go through uh, a two-year college like a BIPSI mm-hmm. before going to a four-year university. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I just how, are you seeing a lot of kids? They're, they're starting to take that route versus just you know prepping to get a scholarship to or you know prepping to you know that entry to um, you know trying to go to a local college or you know one like Tech or LSU or something like that. Well, uh, at first it, it was kind of slow because that mentality was still there. Yeah, you know, I've got to go the college route. Yeah. And for some reason, uh, students thought, you know, if I go the jumpstart route, it just doesn't it doesn't sound as good. Yeah. And but over time, it's uh, it's kind of picking up steam and, and people are realizing it's an outstanding route. You know, if my own if my own two kids wanted to go that route. Right. I'd be OK with it because you can go to Bipsy and, and get a great education and it's actually cheaper then go into a Louisiana Tech. Then they can transfer to your four-year university. And kids are starting to figure that out. And then also we take what's called a work keys test, which kind of goes along with Jumpstart. And through the work keys test, it kind of gives you some ideas of, of what you're good at. Yeah. Well, and, and for those who are maybe watching or listening, because I have a lot of people that aren't in the state, basically, uh, Bipsy is a uh, Bossier Paris Community College, and that would be something they could enter into, and then then move to a transition to a college, or take a you know take that degree and run with it from there. Um, which is what I did. It was interesting because I come right out of high school, and I just wanted to go right to work. Um, I knew I had good grades and everything, but I was interested in making money. I was independent and more self sufficient. But as I got into a corporate company um, working in the oil and gas industry, I, I realized that, which is unfortunate now, and I feel like these policies are going to change over the next 10 years. But to get a um, step up into that company, I had to have a bachelor's degree and I had no degree at all. So um, I realized that they would um, reimburse me for my tuition if I were to take, you know, go to college. So what I did was I went online full time to Bipsy achieve my associates there and then moved to Northwestern State University and, and, you know, went to pursue my bachelor's there. And um, that was all online while I was, you know, doing a full-time job. So there's, there's, if you're wanting to go that education route and still work, it's very possible to do because I did it. You know what I mean? And then if, and what we're dealing with now, which is another thing I want to talk about is um, like, all this remote stuff, 2020 has been crazy. And I'm sure it's been crazy for you guys and your educators and stuff and, and the students. Um, how do you feel like it's affected you guys, move, your momentum moving forward into, you know, what we're going to look into next year with this senior class. And then also the students transitioning into high school from junior high, because you have, um, we have seventh, seventh through 12th grade there, correct? Six through 12. Oh, six. Okay. That's right. Cause you guys moved sixth in there. I believe it was seventh. Through, I can't remember, mm-hmm. but it's been a while. But yeah, uh, what have you seen that with the um, transition with the um, doing the remote classroom stuff and 
you know, not as much in, you know, in-person contact. Well, you know, first I'll talk a little bit about, uh, you know, what, what it took away from us, but it's not just Lakeside. It, it, it did the same thing to every school, every school, uh, was pretty much working for, you know, to be an A school. And that's, um, that's what was pushed from the State Department and from our central office. And here at Lakeside, we had worked extremely hard to become a school. And we were probably, we probably would have been an A school this year. But since uh, schools closed, they did away with the, uh, the school report card, which everything we'd worked for just pretty much got ripped away from us. Man. Also, ever since I've been here, we had uh I've, I've always been a firm believer that that students need to be involved in the school yeah. so i had worked on our clubs i had worked really hard on our on our sports programs and uh take for example coach cooper who was here when you were here yeah our girl softball coach his little team would have had a chance to win the state championship last year and they canceled the season on them and so he's just hoping that, that he can get this year in. He's got everybody back again. Yeah. And uh, now, as far as the remote learning, uh, Webster Parish did a great job of transitioning into that. And uh, they didn't get, they didn't rush and took their time. And it was a collaborative effort and had, you know, rolled out a pretty good plan to reach the students. Now, we have noticed that. Uh, it's hard to keep up with those students sometimes. Yeah. Now, if that student has a parent that that's checking on them, yeah, you you can stay in contact with them. But some kids are not getting on and doing what they need to do. But uh, the one thing that I worry about long term effects is kids need to uh, interact with other kids and adults, and I think they're they're missing they're missing that a little bit. Yeah. Some kids need it. Oh, I can I can agree. It's just crazy that you know the shift that you guys had to make. You know, right in the middle of the school year, you know, coming back off the holidays, starting the school off, <clears throat> getting you know, getting ready to get the graduates out, and you know, get the flow of the you know end of the year rolled out and graduation and all those things. All these all these schools have had to deal with. You know, um, it's tough for educators. It's tough for kids. And um, <clears throat> you know, there's no one. There's a lot of times. I mean, you have parents that are working full time jobs. They may not be able to. You know, even if they're a lot of like blue collar workers are still working during the, you know, COVID and where other people may be home where they can, you know, monitor their kids, but you got to have that accountability somebody making sure they're doing what they're doing, you know, and, and making this shift where all these <clears throat> schools are able to, I mean, it's just a lot. There's a lot at one time and just to come out, you know, with your head above water is saying something, you know, it is. And it, and it, and it wasn't without uh, some criticism from the public, but you know, I, especially here in Webster Parish, I feel like we're we're blessed because our superintendent is from Webster Parish, Mr. Johnny Rowland, and our assistant superintendent is from uh, Webster Parish, who's Mr. Kevin Washington. And so everything that they rolled out from central office uh, was what they thought was best for the people in Webster Parish. Right. And they weren't looking for, uh, you know, political points or right. anything else. They were trying to do what was best for the students in Webster Parish. 
what have you seen? Um, and I mean, that's that's the route to go because I mean, every single location and area, depending on industry and how people, you know, how the, the economy is made up, is going to be different. You know, it's just going to be a little bit different makeup of how they operate. Um, what have you seen as far as the teachers making this shift too? Has it been hard on them? I feel like that's a lot of work, you know, to go from you know planning everything, you know, in classroom to making this shift technological, especially if people you know aren't that savvy with the computer or you know apps or devices. How has that been? Well, I'm I'm here at Lakeside. I've got a a young staff yeah. that I've pretty much I've hired most of them here. A lot of them graduated from Lakeside. Yeah. But uh, they're young and they uh, technology is uh, is easy to to them. Yeah. And they made the transition, you know, great. Matter of fact, I've got lots of teachers here that are actually lead the parish. And anytime somebody's having trouble, you know, my teachers are on uh, are helping them out and, right. and leading professional developments and things like that. Uh, I think there there have probably been some, you know, your older teachers around the parish. But from what I've seen, those older teachers have worked hard and adapted. Now, I think uh, the one thing that's affected the teachers is a real educator. They like kids. Yeah. And they they would rather have those kids sitting in that desk where they can, they can interact with them. Uh, that's been the hardest part for the teachers that I can see. I mean, I can see that too. I mean, I know every, like I said, every school is different in making that shift. I was impressed last year when I came, and that's why I'm going to talk to you because how much that school has changed since I've been there. And it's not, it's from the outside looking in because I don't know the interior build up of what you guys are doing now, but just seeing, you know, it transitioned to something that I feel like how much have you guys grown? I believe when I graduated, I think there were 60 or 70 students in my class. I don't remember. It may have been less than that. Um, where are you guys like capacity wise? How much have you grown? I'm not real sure. We we have grown though, but uh, we we definitely haven't went down in numbers. I think we're sitting around 588 students. Okay. And do you think being a, a smaller school, you're able to uh, hyper focus more on growing these kids academically than you know a larger scale school? Because I noticed. And um, my head was kind of up my butt a little bit, too, back in the day. But whenever I, I remember moving there my junior year and um, I was very I love the, the, the small town mentality because I come from a 5A school to a 2A school and it was a complete culture change for me. But it was also everyone knew everyone, which is kind of cool because the school that I was at previous, you know, was so large that there was cliques, you know, of students. And a lot of times you never even got to know your entire class. So I do think that that's one thing that I did, I can say I really enjoyed about it was coming in and it almost created a community, you know? Well, that's that's one thing that I've, I've, uh, I've really tried to push since I've been here. And, you know, I come from LaSalle High School where the the school is the community. Yeah. And, and the school rallies behind, or the community rallies behind the school. And that's one thing I've pushed here as well. The school is for the students, but I also want to give the community something to be proud of. And it's been my goal to, you know, one day when we play a football game for, you know, the seating to be taken up, that we have to add more bleachers in the, in the football stadium. And not necessarily just because people love football, but because they want to come out and support the school. Yeah. It's, uh, 
I just think that uh, we went away from that in America and in a lot of our schools, but I think it's still needed. Yeah. A sense of community is, is definitely lost. Um, I felt like when COVID first hit, you know, we all come together and then, you know, it, as, we, as we stayed apart away from each other so long, then it started breeding, you know, more negative vibes. Mm-hmm. But I think that um, when you say that, like being, that being the central source of community, you're in a rural area with a lot of outlining small towns where these people may never cross each other's paths. You know, they may live 30 to 45 minutes of commute per day for work, you know, wherever it may be. And they may, may never get to know these other people from this their, that community around. So I think that does, you know, not only get all the students together, but also get all the, the, the grandparents and the parents and everyone, uh, uh, you know, a new sense of networking. And you guys the, are the source of that. And I've seen that too grow a lot since back, you know, whenever the school opened a few years right before I was there. And you talk about the, you talk about the benefits of a of a smaller school. I think one of the key benefits is that that we know all the students. Yeah. And uh, in most in most cases, if a student is not handling their business, most cases I know mom and daddy and grandma and grandpa, yeah. and it's easy for me to pick the phone up and call them. Yeah. I think that's something that, you know, you know, is missed a lot because if you have bigger areas, you're just not able to do that. You know, um, the funding, you know, um, you guys don't make as much as you should, in my opinion. You know, um, there's usually usually short staffed in most schools and especially if you're in larger areas, those teachers and faculty may not have the time or the resources to one to one with every single child. You know, and that just makes it a little bit harder on them, you know, so being that you guys have a little bit more opportunity there makes it good. Mm-hmm. But I think I wanted to ask you something too, because when, right when I, I guess right when I was coming out of school, um, how long have you been there now? As far as uh, Lakeside, uh, this is the twenty twentieth year, I think, of Lakeside. Okay, and, and uh, like I, I've been here nineteen years. Okay, and how long have you been a teacher? Uh, at the end of this year, it'd be twenty three and a half years. Got you. Okay. So you've seen a lot. <laughs> it's shift in education and, and, and growth and what you guys are doing. It's been an um, entire different transition for the, the industry. And it's like we're back when, right when I was coming out of school, we barely were using text messaging. Uh, we weren't on Facebook. There was no Instagram. There was no, you know, there weren't, there weren't these, these media platforms or these places where we could, you know, go and network and, and learn things or we couldn't pick up our phone and Google easily. What has it been like? I feel like everything has changed where you're teaching. Now you're not teaching. You're probably teaching more of accountability and some substance and worth ethic than you would be, hey, you need to learn this one piece of American history because that's the class you taught me in um, out of a book when you can really just go Google those items. Now, you know, used to you had to really learn, learn those things and focus on those fact points where I feel like it's easily accessible by everyone. It's definitely changed. Now, um, you know, with every student in Webster Parish was issued a Chromebook this year. Yeah. So they all have their personal, uh, basically a, a laptop at their disposal. And your teachers, um, that's what they're using in the classroom. They've got that Chromebook open. Uh, I just paid uh, to get Go Guardian uh, put in on the uh, for the teachers to utilize. That's where the teachers can sit there and and they can control uh, 
what the kids can go to on the Chromebook. And if the kids are, are trying to look during a test, if the kids are trying to look up anything, yeah. they can freeze that computer because they'll pick up on it. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's kind of scary to, to think about what the next 20 years will hold. Uh, every teacher has what's called a Promethean board at, at Lakeside. If they, if they want one, they've got it. And uh, my math teachers have a, a podium that has a built-in computer in the podium where they can control everything that goes on on the Promethean board and never turn their back on the class. Really? Uh, you know, people can argue back and forth. Is it, is it good? Uh, were y'all better off back then, you know, not having the smartphones and all that? And, of course, I'm old, so I'd probably say yes. Uh, <laughs> You know, in administration, you mentioned uh, Facebook. A lot of times, as a principal, what that gets you is is, is kids. Uh, that's where they get they're getting their news yeah. from, and then or either somebody will talk about somebody on Facebook, and you have to clean it up when they when they get to school. But you know, it is what it is, and is it's the way of the future. So why not prepare them for for what they're going to be utilizing in the future? Yeah. I mean, technology doesn't discriminate. That's for sure. You know, we have to keep that momentum moving forward. And I think that, um, you know, it is what it is. I believe that, you know, everyone having a social platform now, you have access to everyone, you know, whereas someone had some bit of privacy. But I just think these, you know, these kids, you know, and I'm not an educator, but I just, you know, from what I've seen growing up and, you know, being in marketing and, and I am in the social media business. So it's like I see these people transition and i feel like there's a need to have these access to these things but it also needs there's got to be some sort of accountability because um i'm sure you guys are dealing with it a lot and have over the few years as far as like the you know used to is bullying bullying you know in the classroom or at the school and now you're dealing with bullying via social media you know whatever it may be which is cyber bullying bullying and it's like there's no accountability or really way to trace that down and put your finger on it is there is just setting, setting two people down and saying, okay, what's going on? Absolutely. And I think the cyber bullying is probably worse than the, the in-person bullying. Right. There's no way to hardly get it stopped right. in a lot of cases. And then it's out of our control at the school. Well, what do you guys, um, what have you seen as far as, <clears throat> you know, trying to, trying to move forward and move past those issues you may run into as far as letting letting that negativity breed into the school and you know taking over that stuff how do you kind of circumvent that and bypass it and try to get around it and move forward in the best interest of the kids well we're always preaching uh positivity in the school uh we we uh last year of course the COVID's kind of taken us out of it but if you walk down our hallway, we have banners going down the hallway, and what they are are the seven habits of successful people. There's a book called Seven Habits of Successful People, and we spent time twice a week uh, teaching lessons on each habit yeah. throughout the year, teaching kids how to cope with things instead of, uh, you know, when they get mad, doing something that's going to cause them more trouble, how can they, how can they respond in a, in a better way? And, you know, you and I are probably a lot better at it now than we were when we were young. Of course. And uh, so, you know, 
we don't want a, a, a silly decision that they make right now to affect them later on in life. And we want each we want each one to be successful. It's always a teacher or an educator. They love to see that kid that necessarily doesn't come from the best household that that uh, sometimes don't have what they need. Uh, we love to see those that type of kid go on and and beat where they come from and be successful. Yeah, it's. I mean, there's something to say about that because uh, when the, the odds are all stacked against you, and you're able to you know get over that wall it's just you know it just means more and it's more of a um a better story to tell you know for those other kids that may be facing those you know obstacles too i think um when you said the the levels of success i feel like as a kid you measure success is who's got that flashy new car or those new clothes you know and as you grow older you realize that's not really success you know success is being able like you said one of the points is cope and being able to deal with things and moving forward no matter what you're facing and um you know as far as being able to handle issues and you know be there for your family and all those things though that that's what i measure success as now not you know what you used to and also what you may as a is a current student so instilling those values early is pretty important that's right and and, and you I, I say all the time you can't uh Success is definitely not how much money you make. Uh, you know, doing what you love to do and being happy is is success. Yeah. I tell everyone like I, it took me ten years to figure out what I wanted to do when I grow up. You know, <laughs> it's not you're not going to have it figured out whenever you come. I mean, some people may they come out of high school they have it figured out they think they do they go into something you realize you hate it. You know, you may go to school for four years in college after you finish your you know grade school and then you graduate with a degree that you realize once you get into that industry, you hate that. And then you have to do something different. It happens all the time. The worst thing I hate to see is being in this industry. Um, I've worked with people who have degrees and I work with people who haven't. Um, but the, what I hate to see is people that go into doing something because they think they need to. Someone told them they should do that. Um, they feel like that's a good fit for them getting into it and hating it and then continuing to do it throughout their whole career and then building resentment up and just being, you know, not being happy. Yeah, you're not doing anybody any good when you do that, including yourself. Uh, you know, that'd be like being a teacher and not necessarily liking kids and being miserable. You're, you're not doing the kids any good or you're not doing yourself any good. No, I mean, you're, you're building a constant, you know, just a constant contradiction there but I mean it happens a lot I see it a lot um being in the you know the workforce and being in you know business to bit I do a lot of business to business and I really do see it and people go to that route because they they measure success as money they want to do it for money like I want to go and do this because I want to make a lot of money and then they get there and they just hate it and um that's something I want to you know hopefully help you guys out with this talk to these these kids you know eventually once we get back into you know a public platform where we can actually sit down and talk is that you don't have to do what everyone wants you to do. You know, you don't have to just because dad thinks you need to be a lawyer doesn't mean you have to be, you know, you got to do what you want to do. And um, a lot of times you just don't know that until you get into the nuts and bolts and work and realize, okay, this is for me or it's not for me. Exactly. And, uh, you know, we're looking forward to uh, when, when things get back to normal, uh, getting you into the school and, you know, since we'd met prior to COVID and it was in the works, yeah. we never got to we never got to do it. I love having alumni come back in. 
So uh, you have, and I, you have quite a few alumni there that are um, on staff now. How many do you have? Uh, I don't know. I'd probably say mo uh, half the, the faculty is nearly alumni here. That's crazy. And I love that. Yeah. I love that because when they walk in, they've got that uh, that pride when they walk in. And, of course, I'm pretty fortunate now. The ones that, that you know, didn't graduate from here have pride. It's like, a, it's like one big happy family at Lakeside. And uh, I, I tell everybody, you know, my success is uh, the staff here at Lakeside. And my administrative team is is excellent. My I, I always my teachers. I'd argue with anybody; they're the best in the state of Louisiana. And uh, on down to the custodial staff, uh, we're we're one happy family down here. Yeah, and you your um your wife she was also a teacher when I was there. I believe is she still or is she what is she doing now? She is the principal at Richardson Elementary. Okay, so y'all just both are just doing it over there. <laughs> That's oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah, she's been, she's uh she's better than me now. I just get my get my pointers a lot of times from her. <laughs> yeah, um, I remember she had a, I was I believe I had her the first class of the day, and she had a strict no falling asleep policy. Because <laughs> unfortunately, when I was younger, we'd like to stay up late and do things we probably weren't supposed to do. But I still made it to school, you know. But sometimes I doze off and. You can't get an A in that class if you fall asleep. <laughs> I bet she straightened you out. She did. <laughs> um, well, how does that? Um, how does that? You guys have. I believe you have two boys, right? I do. I've got one at Louisiana Tech, and I've got one that is a seventh grader here at Lakeside. Hey, awesome. We kind of spread them out. Yeah. Well, how does that go? Like, how do you separate your home life, being that both of you guys are in the the exact same field? as far as, you know, education and then like turning it off once you get home. I feel like being a principal, you're always gonna be in it. Like you're gonna get calls 24 seven. You really can't turn that off. You do, but you, you know, your whole life uh, has got to be the most important part of your life. Yeah. I mean, your family is your family. And uh, now so much of, of mine and Michelle's uh, life and education, our kids have just have, have done it with us. Uh, you know, I can remember coaching baseball. Both of my kids, they'd be on the baseball bus with us before they could almost, you know, really walk. Yeah. And the kids would just take them in. The kids would babysit, pass them back and forth across the seats. And uh, so they grew up on the ball field and uh, roaming the halls here at Lakeside. And, uh, of course, you know, I thought, well, maybe my oldest, I said, maybe he'll want to be an educator. Yeah. But I think he spent too much time in the school growing up, so he wanted to be anything but an educator. <laughs> yeah, that's that's good to hear. I mean, I feel like you're the type of guy too. You're not um, you're not going to give your children just because they may be students or on the team no kind of shortcuts either. No, I don't. Matter of fact, I I try to just leave them alone and let them do their thing. <laughs> that's good. Well, I mean, so back to um, as far as the culture of the students, and I wanted to talk about that a little bit more. Is like, what are you seeing now um, with? this virtual learning versus in the classroom, how it's affecting productivity with the kids who may have, is it, is it throwing people off who may have been productive is what I'm saying. Like you're always going to have some students that may have, they may struggle no matter what, but are you seeing people, you know, go, go above and beyond or are you, are you seeing like a shift there? What are we looking like? We're actually seeing both. Uh, and we're seeing some that are, that are excelling. 
again, I go back to, to Webster Parish Schools. Um, I think they, they, they've rolled out a, an excellent uh, virtual platform. Yeah. And I think probably one thing that we're seeing that, that's hurting our students a little bit is at the end of last school year, you know, we were closed in March. And so they, they couldn't take their finals and it, it made it uh, difficult to really determine uh, who passed, who failed. Right. And a lot of people probably were, you know, their grades were adjusted to because we were out early. And I think some of them are still a little bit confused thinking that that's going to be the case this year, but we're moving ahead. And, you know, there's no excuse. Yeah, if, I agree. If you're, under quarantine, if you're under quarantine now, you're you should never miss a beat. You yeah. should uh, just roll right along because the Lakeside teachers, uh, they know how to they know how to meet virtually and do everything virtually that you can do in person now. Yeah, that's not an excuse is what you're saying. <laughs> they they've been no, doing it for a year. Excuse. Yeah, they've been doing it for a year and they have all the you know the equipment and the technology, so they should be able to do it. I feel like you know that's one of those things that yeah, I mean it's better said that way. I think virtual is here to stay too. Yeah. I don't think it's going anywhere. Um, that's another thing, you know, that some people, you know, some people love that idea, some people hate it, but like we said before, we really can't make, you know, it's not up to us, you know, just gotta no, no. Roll, roll with the punches and move forward. I feel like you guys are doing a good job of that. Well, man, um, I just wanted to get on here and catch up with you a little bit, and I appreciate your time. Is there anything that we may have not talked about, any kind of uh, words of encouragement or anything you may want to tell anybody? Because, you know, I have a lot of people listening to this show and watching it that may not be in this state, maybe in another area, maybe interested in doing what you do for a living, or maybe a parent at home, you know, that may need some guidance or some advice. I feel like, you know, anything you may have for them, we should go ahead and share that too. Well, I think that this is the greatest profession on earth because what you do and what you teach kids, uh, you know, will carry on for years and years. And uh, there's there's no better profession than to, to help people get a start in life. If they go on to be a doctor, you know, you or a lawyer or a teacher, you know, you had a little bit to do with it. Yeah. And uh, the, the influences you make on them, they're going to remember you. Um, you know, and try to support your local school systems. It's, it's, we've entered a time where it's not always uh, popular in the, in the news media and people are beating uh, teachers and school systems up. And it's a, it's a very tough job, sometimes not rewarding uh, in the public, but at the end of the day, it, it is, it's really rewarding. And there's, there's uh, just get involved and do what you can and help out to each individual school system. I think would be my, my words of encouragement. And one thing I always preach to the kids here at, at Lakeside, I'm going to start every announcement off every day is it's a great day to be a warrior. Yeah. And that's, Hey, <laughs> that's the alma mater, but also the, that's something to be said in life. You know what I mean? You gotta, Correct. you gotta push forward and you gotta fight. It's not going to be a take a cakewalk. We've seen that already. You know what I mean? It's uh this nothing we do is easy anymore. You know? Exactly. Well, Coach, I appreciate you coming on today and um, look forward to seeing you guys soon. I hope you guys have a Merry Christmas and thanks again for the opportunity to hang out. You too. Come on by one day. All right, man. Everyone, please subscribe to the podcast.